0: Welcome to another episode of The Collective Evolution Show, I'm Joe Martino. The CE Show is a podcast that will feature anything from discussions to monologues or even sometimes reports on a variety of topics all framed within the context of transformation that is occurring both um, within us as individuals but also collectively as a society. Our current paradigm seems to be falling apart and things are becoming quite chaotic in our world. But this is actually a powerful catalyst for us to notice that the old ways of viewing the world are simply no longer working. And in a sense, much of traditional media or what we might call mainstream media, even academia, seem to be failing at exploring these transitions that are underway. Um, And many of us are kind of deeply noticing this and are searching for a different kind of conversation. So we've arrived at a time where we must start having these conversations about emerging ideas that come from an entirely different idea or narrative about what it means to be human, why we're here, and what kind of world we truly want to create and live within. Um, On this podcast, we'll talk about anything from current events to personal transformation, consciousness, future technology, uh, new economic models, cutting edge health, and so on. We'll explore real things that are happening, that are inspiring, but not necessarily explored in pop culture or media. All of these topics can also be explored uh, more deeply on our website at collective-evolution.com, where we have articles, essays, and videos. You can also join our membership platform called CTV, where we have a ton of exclusive video content, including original shows, discussions, courses, and guides to help you make sense of the world And engage in the process of creating a new narrative for humanity as we move forward. You can visit cetv.one to check out our membership area. So, about a week ago, we put out a new essay or article uh, by Dr. Madhavacetti called The Conspirituality Podcast Clear Signal or More Noise. And uh, we're going to get into sort of the, what the the sort of the basis of this article or essay is in just a second when we actually start the interview. But I wanted to set up the context for this whole piece um, because it's a really important uh, time to be really kind of looking at things in a little bit more of a nuanced perspective when it comes to things like conspiracy, conspiracy as it relates to culture as a whole. Because there seems to be a little bit of a phenomenon going on right now where um, as the subject of conspiracy, which means the existence of, say, you know, behind the scenes collusion between powerful interests, as that whole conversation comes to the surface, uh, it's making a lot of people uncomfortable. It's making a lot of people um, perhaps feel as though some people are crazy or some people have no basis for what they're saying. But at the same time, it's sort of breaking down our worldviews a little bit for those of us that are taking the time to look at it. And one of the phenomenons that's taking place right now is that anytime someone brings up conspiracy at the moment, there's, there's a common assumption within um, maybe more mainstream communities or at least even with the, the folks that are running this podcast, there's almost this assumption that, that conspiracy just cannot exist um, in any really way, shape or form, or at least that's the feeling that comes out of their content. And that's what inspired uh, Dr. Seti to write this particular essay, but... Um, the, the importance here is, is really to start to realize that there's a very big difference between discussing real conspiracy that is going on, that, that does have evidence for it, and looking at things that may not have any evidence whatsoever, or may require one to accept a whole bunch of different patterns all put together um, to understand something. And in which case, of course, most people are gonna look at that type of conspiracy theory and see it as like, eh, there's really not a whole lot here. But there's a very big difference between that and the kind of stuff that a lot of people are talking about these days which is to look at things very evidentiary uh, or sorry with a lot of evidence and to look at it from a standpoint of a very grounded level-headed conversation and what it feels like is a lot of people in the mainstream and a lot of people um, in situations like this conspiracy podcast are kind of just throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There was uh, also a recent study uh, that was uh, released that kind of looked at a lot of different um, YouTube channels, prominent YouTube channels. We were mentioned within it, and uh, and within that we were listed as a far-right YouTube channel, which makes absolutely no sense. I'm not sure how the researchers got to that conclusion, um, but there it's been there's been a lot of backlash towards this study. But what it indicates is precisely the whole point of this conversation that even where some of the data for this study was taken from, which was a place called Transparency Tube, you know, they have us listed as right-wing and conspiracy, which again, sort of is that, um, for lack of a better word, it's that lazy way of saying, look, we don't understand something and we're just kind of going to look at it as face value without maybe listening to what is actually being said or what's going on um, in a particular channel and we're going to throw a label on it. So we're seeing this really big rise of cognitive bias in the face of uh, popular discussions, very mainstream and, and current event discussions that are very important, that say a lot about our worldview as people, and that as we ultimately work through a lot of this stuff, it's going to give us a much clearer lens as to actually you know, how to move forward and uh, make the world a better place, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it. So um, that's kind of the context of this. So we're going to dive into this. Like I said, we'll get into this essay a lot more clearly and uh, and what really this whole piece was about uh, with Madhava. So enjoy the interview. So you recently wrote uh, that, that latest article, essay, however we want to put a label on it, but uh, about conspirituality and the podcast. Um, and there's a very important discussion to be had there, and I thought, um, you know, We've already kind of read through the the abstract of what this uh, of what this whole thing is kind of about with regards to not only some of the literature that initially published or that was initially published talking about this topic a little bit this this convergence of kind of a conspiracy world and the new age community if you want to call it that Um, and now this podcast is here. Picking up on that conversation and saying, hey, what's going on with COVID has inspired, you know, these three hosts to create a podcast that says, why is it that, you know, people are so conspiratorial, but not only that, why is it that, you know, these particular people in kind of the new age or like the meditation or yogi space, why are they so obsessed with conspiracy? What's going on within their thinking and their psychology that's drawing them to that, which is an interesting conversation. But... Um, I know you've you know you you've had some interesting interactions with them and uh, yeah let's let's kind of dive into you know this essay a little bit and what you decided to write and what you thought the important theme was of the whole thing.
1: As usual, you bring up like nine different things that are all so <laughs> so uh, evocative, um, and uh, I'll answer the question. And, you know, as is common with me, I talk first and then answer the question, but you said something very interesting there which was the 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 context of covid mm-hmm. being you know the engine or at least the spark behind why um this conversation is so important right because we have this um you know global threat if you will that's affecting all of us and the conspiratorial the conspiratorial narrative is taking away from a lot of the mandates that uh, are being put forward to protect us all. So I think that is fueling the rise of this particular narrative that's coming from the Conspirituality podcast. It's like, guys, we really need to pay attention to what's happening in our community because there are people, you know, yoga practitioners and uh, meditation instructors and um, charismatic leaders in our community that are leading their flock uh, or their uh students towards a conspiratorial way of thinking about the world what's going on um and so there is that <clears throat> this is a very complicated subject uh but it's extremely important and you know kudos to you because uh for all you listeners out there joe has it, it you know supported and encouraged this this uh, uh piece um for a very good reason because <clears throat> This is not simply about uh, trying to get to the bottom of why these communities are uh, adopting conspiratorial narratives. It's really about how we're looking at the world. Um, and in order to really assess the information that we are presented with, we have to unpeel it like an onion, or peel it, or peel it. You know, yeah. unpeel, Not really a word peel it like an onion and see what's what's uh, beneath. But at the very same time, we also have to peel the ways we are examining information like what's at the surface. How am I responding first? How am I responding second? What is the basis by which I'm coming to my conclusions? So and the the piece about which is a critique of the conspirituality podcast um, is that They're not actually going deep enough to find out and identify their own biases. Um, And that's what this piece is about, is to really look at uh, take an example. This was a, you know, um, a a podcast that they put out um, almost two months ago. And um, there's a lot there. They're very intelligent people. And as you know, I'll tell you about later. And if you've read the article, I had a personal interaction with one of the co-ha- uh, co-hosts, Julian Mark Walker, and it's fascinating because it leads to uh, some clues as to where bias or distortion is entering the conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's, I think it's going to be important to kind of dive into to the biases and, and distortions that you outlined and how it specifically applies to the podcast, but just to even bring sort of uh, listeners up to a uh I guess the contextualized point of view it's kind of like you know this covid thing as you mentioned is 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 a very complicated subject to talk about there are people who believe that this the entire thing is a is a scam a hoax a, a conspiracy to uh mislead people and there's absolutely some truth within some of the stuff that people are saying there right it, we 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 could go we could we could dive into it but i mean i don't think that's the purpose of this piece like you know, there are, there are marker points, there are data points, there are very, very valuable questions that are being asked there. And we've asked many of those questions ourselves. And then there's the, the uh, you know, you could say the other view of it, which is to say, hey, this is a super dangerous pandemic. You know, and anybody who's questioning it is a danger to everybody else. And, and you know, we need to silence those people. And it feels like... Um, and I don't want to speak necessarily for them, but it feels like the conspirituality folks, uh, the, the three fr- from the podcast, it sort of air uh, significantly more on the side of they they feel this thing's 100% real and we need to, and I, I'm not to say that the virus isn't real, but that the all of the measures are 100% justified and that we all need to kind of just do our thing. And th- there's no possibility of a nefarious agenda. There's no possibility that there is... Uh, perhaps corruption involved or there's levels of, of conspiracy involved where even if it's something as simple as, you know, at this point the pharmaceutical industries want to make their money on a vaccine, right? They're not even open to, to that, right? So so you have these positions and, and what, what we're going to dive into as the important conversation is to say, how do we empathize with both positions? find common ground and really explore what levels of thinking led to both positions so that we can actually ask, we can pull back enough to ask the question of what what actually is going on, not what is going on that matches our worldview. So Mm. with that as a, as a kickoff point, um, take us through your, your sort of discussion of the distortions and the biases that you've seen
1: as it relates to this. Well, they begin, with the axiom as you said that there are no conspiracies and right away you have to pause and say um okay let's 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 go with the assumption that there are none with regard to vaccinations the uh potential profiteering of vaccine manufacturers all that stuff if you're going with the assumption that there can't be any then they make a very strong argument if there are none then clearly this uh phenomenon that's arising in their um in their community as well as the you know alt-right community must have a different ideology or a different source <clears throat> and they then uh hypothesize perhaps it has to do with the openness that spiritual uh people have with uh, alternative ways of thinking um they're also you know the idea of planetary awakening um and that there is we're at that stage right now and things are about to burst open in a you know a consciousness movement and that means we have to challenge the the powers that be that have been um, basically dictating this planet for centuries so that is kind of their argument is that people in our group are prone to that so let's and and honestly you know I'm not I don't want to condemn anyone here they mean well you know mm-hmm. they're they're identifying something that is uh, like, you, know, mm, you you can't deny that that's happening it's yeah. happening all over the place so let's give them credit for that and if you are of the ilk that believes that any kind of conspiracy around anything never mind COVID is a preposterous uh, position then you have to view this phenomenon as a threat especially in a pandemic so in order to really get to the bottom of this you have to first then challenge you know the axiom that there are none and if if we're trying to get to some clarity you would imagine that you have to first examine that axiom to be to begin with and this is where the bias enters the picture is they don't really look at that. Mm -hmm. They don't look hard enough at independent um, positions around very, very real conspiracies, or at least potentially real conspiracies. You know, I I think Joe, and I know that you're um, a very, very, you're very good at this. uh, But hopefully in this conversation, and I hope I don't slip up. But we don't have any certainty. Let's just start from the, you know, If if you tune in later on in this conversation, and we sound like we're absolutely certain about things, we're not. That actually, I believe, is a very, very um, important uh, morsel to keep in mind. When you are discussing something that is very complicated and you assert beyond any uh, doubt that you're right, right away, I think it's important to say, wait a minute, there's no way to be certain about anything. And you know that is you know one of the ways of identifying bias in the person who's delivering the information to you. They come at it with absolute certainty, like it must be weak-mindedness. Um, yeah, do you want to? Yeah, hey, like
0: need- it, it. It. sort of. It sounds like you know what we're what we're saying here is like this idea that the way the conspiratoriality folks are are kind of approaching this is with this absolute certain position that says. You know there is no conspiracy. It's not possible that there can be conspiracy when it comes to COVID-19 and all of the episodes that they've done, looking at you know the various voices and so forth that have spoken out about COVID-19. Anything from very respectable doctors to um, more more what you might call like a podcast or or a podcaster or like a political analyst or something of that nature. Um, you know all those people have a, a huge. This is their perspective that all those people have a huge misstep in their psychology that that they've they've kind of gotten lost because they believe in this new age moment of awakening and um that that certainty is producing their inability to uh actually look at what's going on and and actually say wait but but why are these people out like barring any psychological potential challenge that they have within themselves you know Mm -hmm. why might based on the evidence at hand why might they be thinking what they're thinking right they're not doing that
1: they not. Yes. Well, look at this. All right. Let's first examine information, right? The information, let's say it has to do uh, with the piece or, or, or a scientific um, position. Most people will say, well, this is what the science says, and they'll go right to CNBC or the New York Times are talking about the scientific position. End of story the more curious person will say, let me go and read the actual article. Let me read the scientific publication that the Times is um, critiquing and supporting. So then you open up, you know, you go to PubMed or you go to uh, Nature Medicine and you read the article. Now, now you're going to start to really enter a rarefied group of individuals who are able to assess what the science is saying. What are the, what are the authors of this um publication actually saying and then most people can only read the abstract and the conclusion and say oh okay that's that's what they're concluding then now you start to peel more people off and you get down to the people who can actually understand the statistics and say did did they actually do a good job in um presenting the information were there any um deficiencies in their methodology are they are they biased in some way What are the deficiencies of the study? What could lead to error in their conclusions? Now we're talking about an extremely tiny part of our population that can make a um, reasonable assessment. So now we're stuck with most people saying, well, look, I, I don't know, but the New York Times is saying that other scientists say that they're spot on. That paper is in fact what's going on, and I like data, I'm scientifically driven, so I'm going to go with the narrative. But they fail to see that in this um, attempt to be completely scientific and objective, they're actually putting faith in something. They're trusting that the Times, for example, uh, or the editors of the publication are in fact doing their job correctly. Now, it's one thing to say the the, the editors of Nature Medicine or, or, or whatever are doing their job because they're scientists. I mean, they're trained to read these papers, so it's probably reasonable to give them the benefit of the doubt. But now, how how are we actually um, transferring that same level of trust to the to the editors of The Times? They're not scientists. They're journalists. They listen to other scientists. So, you know, the axis uh, or the foundational belief system on the conventional narrative, let's say, is based on faith. It has to be based on faith. I'm sorry, that's that's what it is. Unless you are actually the expert and have done the experiments or it's done in your lab, you're actually putting faith in someone else. You, you can't really argue with that. Now, um, th- that's sort of peeling the layers of uh the the data that we're given it's very hard to get to the bottom of things and um that's where we have to at least allow ourselves a possibility of being wrong when we then look at the other half of it now we're looking at how we look at information we have to be extremely careful to see how we jump to conclusions before we actually know the truth and And this is where, um, you know, my critique of uh, the Conspirationality podcast, this one in particular, is um, relevant because they start with the assumption that any narrative that challenges what the conventional narrative is saying must be wrong. It has to be wrong. How do we know it's wrong? Because that's not what, you know, the scientists are saying, which is interesting, right? Because... They've now made the scientists who are given the greatest voice to be the ultimate authority for what is and what isn't.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that, too, is, is the scientists out there that are providing a different perspective on this are, are, are unheard. Um, and that's kind of the phenomenon with with COVID. That's so interesting. Is like we're acting as though it's okay to trust some quote unquote experts, but other experts are are not worthy of a platform. And I think that's what's what's creating a, a sort of um, a disconnect. You know, when it comes to people like the the hosts from conspirituality and, and many other people, which you know I, I don't blame them for. It's just a question that that I believe they need to ask themselves: is is why is it really that people are Questioning the narrative and losing faith in the mainstream narrative and the mainstream institutions that support that narrative, and it's because they're seeing experts that you know really are coming saying, "I wait, a minute, I'm just as qualified as this person," and you know we have 25,000 experts that agree with with me over here, and it's not the mainstream narrative, and so um, people are looking at that and going, "Wait a minute, like." What side am I supposed to choose? Because they're two totally different sides, but only one of them is allowed to be right. And so there's almost like this complete denial, I find, on behalf of, of the folks over at Conspirituality that says we're pretending like none of that, you know, just as solid research, we're pretending like none of that exists. And therefore, people are just conspiracy theorists. Mm
1: hmm. Mm hmm. Exactly. I mean, their argument for why these other experts and scientists that are bucking the uh, the narrative, th- you know, why they're not getting a platform, Joe? It's because they're wrong. Right. That's you it. See, they're just wrong. That's <laughs> it. What other explanation for it is there for it? Because yes, I, I'm not going to go and look at their transcripts from medical school or check their uh, credentials. So we have to assume that uh, they. Are not getting a platform because they're wrong, and that's what's interesting. An assumption.
0: Yeah, and that's what's interesting because you know you talk about coincidences in the in the essay there, and and it it sort of discusses like this idea that they're you know if if you you have a you have coincidence theorists, which I'd love for you to unpack that idea in a, just a moment here, but it's like you know you could you could view every expert that comes forward that really has nothing to lose or that comes from a very credible position every expert that comes forward with a different narrative on covid um, it's it's like you can't just keep saying every single one of them is is like a coincidence that oh no they're just wrong so it's a coincidence that that person's wrong too and that person in that, and you have 25,000 that signed a paper a declaration saying you know we don't agree with the the mainstream narrative you have 25,000 doctors and scientists who have signed this and it's like no no they're they're just wrong right how many coincidences in a row before you start to go
1: mm, like you know what I'm saying this doesn't make sense you know there is a way to calculate that and you know I, I go into that in in my book um and why that's relevant but you brought up something very interesting here and i, I want to make it extremely clear um so you're talking about the great barrington declaration yeah right um i signed it yeah. i signed it as a physician um because i believe in that approach um and you can go read it if you want to it's a, you know a non-conventional approach based on what today's convention is But I want to be very, very clear here. Um, They have not vetted me. It's been over a month. And um, I want to be clear to your audience that although I support the um, perspective, I don't, I cannot confirm that there are 25,000, it's actually almost 50,000 health experts, medical scientists. So uh, in, in an effort to be completely transparent, I think it's very important for everyone to realize that if you sign it because there are 50,000 doctors that have signed it, that's not the reason to sign it. Mm-hmm. Please, you sign it if you think that's the right thing to do, because whether or not there are 50,000 experts that go along with it, it's still in question.
0: Yeah.
1: So that, that's a really important uh, thing I want to point out. Um, and, oh my gosh, you said something else that was so Coincidences,
0: juicy. Uh, Coincidences, conspir- oh. coincidence theorists.
1: Oh, my God. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about coincidence theorists. You know, the way the way things are are going right now, I'm learning a lot about human psychology and how to convey information. And a lot of it has to do with telling the right narrative, telling the right story in the right way. Yeah. The other way is to use terminology. Um, And I I, I really do believe that it's time for us and by us, I'm saying you and me and people who are um, seeing this for what it is is to come up with some kind of term that identifies all those other people who believe that under no circumstance could there ever be a conspiracy. Um, Or, and, and and a slight nuance to that is, well, we'll believe in a conspiracy if the evidence arises, and we'll only look at evidence from a certain number of sources never mind that they may be involved in a conspiracy, right? You know, so so the term conspiracy theorists, by that I mean someone who relies on coincidence to explain the inex- uh, uh, unexplainable every single time without holding on to the possibility that there may be a connection. And um, that's what... That's what's you know, and a- every real um, legitimate potential conspiracy is debunked by people who think that the vast amount of uh re- you know really interesting potential connections can only be from a coincidence. Right and the reason why it must be a coincidence to them is because why? Because it's impossible for a conspiracy to exist. Right? So it is it is actually the very very same bias and this is actually your point that you were making to me i don't know weeks ago but that it's the same bias the very same bias that makes people believe that everything must be a conspiracy is no different than saying there are everything must be a coincidence that even smells bad yeah right and what is the what is the source of that kind of bias we like sources of bias right um we both thought about this a lot uh but the source of bias here is generally known as confirmation bias it's like you begin with the idea that that must be true and then you dismiss and argue away anything that may uh, overturn that position. You know, your foundational initial belief system is extremely hard to unseat, these are your words, unless you're willing to do diligence and open investigation. So
0: like like you just said, like people having a question and having the willingness to to look at their worldview, look at the underlying thoughts um, beyond, say, beyond. Basically, it's like looking at what your bias is, and then it's having the courage, in a sense, to to question your worldview. is It's an important point, and and it's interesting because as it relates to the these conspirituality folks who are, um, I think you know we've we've both agreed on this on, on a number of occasions that there are aspects to what they're doing that is a very important conversation to have, and and it's very powerful, but. Um, It feels still like there's a a pause in in questioning their underlying worldview of something so it's like we're willing to talk about the the phenomenon of the connection between conspiracies and New Age but we're not willing to question the lens through which we're looking at that conversation and Mm -hmm. and I think this is what you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people post about the conspirituality podcast and, uh, on Instagram, for example, and I've never seen anything positive said about them because it, it feels as though um, most people that are, are looking at what they're doing can sense the, the limitation in what they're doing. I think someone went as far, actually this was a, a response to your article in our Telegram group. Uh, The person had said that they felt like the Conspiritualology podcast wasn't going to age well and it was going to kind of just collapse very quickly. And it was almost because, you know, we're in a time, right, where, and this is perhaps my perspective that that may not be correct, but this is something I deeply feel. Um, I think the only way we're going to navigate and figure out this COVID situation and so much of what's tied to that um, is is when we begin to start questioning our deep world views are what makes us hold on to information. And I mean, we could talk about that all day long, but before we get into that, or if we want to get into that, um, it's just this base idea that we seem to be at a time where we have to be willing, if we want to have these conversations properly, we have to actually be willing to question our own understanding of things. Right. And um, just like the conspirituality folks are doing, um, they're, they're, they're just looking at people and saying, well, hold on, let's not question worldviews here. Let's just look at the psychology of people and see why they would believe something that's not mainstream. And and those people are obviously defunct in some way, shape or form. Um, But the same deeper questioning they have to do is the same perhaps deeper questioning that those that are in the conspiracy field, if you wanna, you know, I, I don't like to put labels, but because we have to, to make it a meaningful conversation, those that are in that space, who think that everybody that's on the, oh, I believe COVID's a pandemic, they're all just stupid and they all just can't deal with fact. I yeah. believe we're at a time where we need to ask the question. It's like, yes, but why are those people having a difficult time, perhaps, seeing alternative facts? Why are they having a difficult time? Because it's not because they're stupid, <laughs> right? It, that's not It's not what it is. It's not because they're sheeple, right? There's something that goes on. And if we don't understand this as people, right? And, and I again, to, to, to tie this in, the conspirituality folks are very guilty of this, right? They test positive for confirmation bias, as you wrote in the essay. If we don't ask those deep questions, why do we actually deny facts when they're right in front of our face? That's like, this is where we have to figure out what's going on. This is a personal transformation journey. And I, I'm curious to hear um, sort of what you believe, and I think you presented some of it in, in the essay, um, what you believe are kind of like how how we can go about navigating this and really finding common
1: ground. Hmm. <laughs> there you go again. Yeah. Eighteen trillion uh, things. I know. It's just like, wow. That, yeah. Uh, great series of uh, questions there. Um, and let's remember, how do you go about navigating? That was that was the question that you're answering uh, that you're asking. Yeah. Um, but prior to that, you said something about uh, Look, they are throwing, they're making, they're hypothesizing what has happened here. They're hypothesizing what, why is there a growing uh, sense of uh, uh, conspiratorial thinking in general? And because they don't want to look at all evidence or all facts, they are limited to just a couple of things, which is human psychology. It's, you know, people are prone to it, especially my community. Um, But they are putting it out there like it it, that's the only possibility right which is how we must examine what's right or wrong what's factual or not is let's look at their approach is it in fact robust Um, and this is how you negotiate or navigate a a complicated set of um, information where you don't know really what the fact facts are right and the lens through which we're viewing things is is probably, you know, depending on where you're coming from, some practices say the lens is everything. You know, there isn't any objective reality. But putting that aside, let's look at like how can we um, how can we actually identify blind spots, right? Yeah. How do we see a blind spot? You need someone else to point it out mm-hmm. because by definition, it's a blind spot. You can't <laughs> see it, right? So it, it's a hard Um, it's a challenging thing to do, but now to answer your question, how do you negotiate what's happening here? One way is to approach it from a um, obliquely and and say, let's look at the conversation that I'm having with Julie Mark Walker, Mm -hmm. which is he, first of all, um, doesn't want to have a conversation. I mean, he's really resistant to it.
0: Yeah. And just to remind everybody, this is one of the co-hosts of the Conspirituality Podcast.
1: Right. Um, Yes. And, you know, if you read the article, I I happened to be unknowingly on a thread with him where I was critiquing his position. And then he responded and and tried to defend it. And I said, well, this is really interesting. Do you want to let's let's talk to Joe Martino and we can set up a three way and and talk about it rather than, you know, going back and forth here.
0: And, and one of the key things is you always just said, let's just have a discussion, right? You always just said to him, let's have a discussion. But he felt it as, I don't want to debate you guys, which I thought was interesting because it suggests yes. positions again, right? And, and this, yeah. is, okay. this is the blind spot, right? This is the beauty of the blind spot is that he can't see that we're trying to say, no, 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 guys, let's figure this out together, not instead it's like no no you guys are over here and i'm over here and it's like no 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 no. <laughs> like,
1: let's just talk about this right correct i mean obviously we disagreed on something but you know why would it be futile to discuss something i mean under what circumstances yeah the only possibility is you may convince me i'm wrong right that's why i don't want to talk to you or in his his position is anybody who disagrees with me must be off the rocker. It's yeah. a waste of my time. Both positions are are uh, are representative, uh, or at least blind spots are manifesting in that in his position of it's not even worth having a conversation. Yeah. You know. This, and, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Oh no no I was I, I was agreeing with your point. I, I do have something to say, but I, I if you're not finished then keep going.
1: Well, see, this is a way of um, indirectly gaining some traction as to how we think about things. If you have two people and you have no idea who's telling the truth and who isn't. One way of looking at it is like this guy wants to actually have an open conversation and dialogue. This one doesn't. Yeah, that's a clue. I'm not saying that that makes me right. I'm just saying this is part of how we need to look at something when we decide whether something's a fact or not is... Who's willing to talk about it more?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and this is an interesting thing. And, you know, what you said there ties into what I I was going to throw down is because, you know, I know sometimes when people uh, listen to stuff like this, and this is, you know, this is sometimes common in a lot of political commentary or other forms of content that's out there where, um, you know, the the left will attack the right or the right will attack the left. And we've gotten so used to seeing that, that form of conversation. um, And, and, and then anytime, like for example, we're having a conversation about another gentleman and it's like, you know, I, I just wanted to be clear. It's like, we're not here saying, oh, hey, Julian's wrong and he's this and he's that. We're, we're pointing out a greater thing that applies to, to you know conversations we have around the Thanksgiving dinner table that we have around the Christmas dinner table that we have in our regular life that we might have in school at a workplace. we might be the person that's unwilling to have the conversation just as at times somebody else is the person and you know the purpose of the conversation here is to to really say to bring to our awareness right um this idea that this is a, a mechanism that can sometimes play within us where, where we're holding a position and we don't actually realize that. And, and it's actually like, sometimes it's absolutely okay to hold a position on something that I, I believe, and, and this might be a little different from what um, you said earlier, and I'd, maybe we could go into this a little bit, but I do think there are some things, you know, in life that we can know, right? There, I mean, there's obviously things in life, like we know this is a phone, right? Um, and then there's other things that are, a lot more complicated or a lot more complex but we have a deep desire to know mm-hmm. and and then and sometimes it's like well you know I looked at this this and this therefore I know right um, mm-hmm. and so it's good to kind of when we when we're talking about being in a position say hey I'm not holding a strong position on something it's really in those instances right the instances where we're we're it is like covid is not something where somebody knows exactly what's going on like we don't, right? I, I've been researching this for eight months, and so has Arjun, and, and you know, so has a number of our colleagues, and we've all thrown together information, and you've thrown stuff in, and you know, you look at it, we don't know exactly what's going on, right? And to be honest, I think that's the point, right? Yes. Because the beauty of it is now we have to have conversations like this, and 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 this is where you know I, I think I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. Is it's like. Um, If if there's times where we can't know something, but it's a societal theme or topic that's taking place, right? So we can't know exactly what's going on with COVID per se. Maybe we have better ideas than we might think, but maybe it's very challenging, but we have a very real life situation, right? Like this is happening. This is affecting people's lives. It's affecting everything. So how do we navigate that? right? how do we go about this and how do we as a community make sense of this because i feel like everybody has has, brings up points that are very valid that we have to listen to right they're members of our community whether we like it or not and and we got to be able to make sense of it and so um you know i i don't know i don't know i'm not saying either you or i know the answer to this but i'm kind of just trying to push the conversation in that direction is like what do we do how do we navigate this
1: yes um well, <laughs> the $8 trillion I, dollar question, <laughs> I know. how do we navigate it? All right. So, OK, um, I think it's really important. Like when we say we can never know, we can never know. Like like you said, like this is a phone. I don't know where my phone is. But. There is a general um, sense of uh, that question, which is around knowing or not knowing, and it's very important to be, very, uh, to, to be clear which is, we're not saying that it's impossible to know anything. In fact, what we're actually saying is that it's very easy to know what's not true. It's much harder to know what is true. Mm -hmm. For example, look, let's say, let's take the moon, for example, right? Um, Do we uh, know that it's completely solid in what we think and there may not be you know, underground, hollowed out, you know, sp- space structures in there built by aliens? The answer is I don't really know. You know, I mean, maybe. It sounds like a weird idea. Uh, is there a possibility? Well, there has to be a possibility. Is there a possibility that the moon is made of cheese? No, we know that. Right that that is a certainty. So we know what it's not is what i'm trying to say. So so, let's-
0: so it's not there's no moon cheese?
1: No <laughs> moon cheese. I don't think, I haven't seen a cow that big, you know what i'm saying? Yeah. Um so so let's be very clear. It, it's it is we can we can know what isn't.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: is much harder to know what is, especially not with phones or the global pandemic. <clears throat> Where did the virus come from? How good is the test? What, what, what is really, how, how many people are there actually that are sick? Um, how many people have died from the disease? Huge questions that should, be, um, that should be part of how we respond to it. And we don't really know. Now, the other question is, uh, this goes back to the exchange I'm having with, with uh, Mr. Walker. Um, as an outsider who is watching this conversation play out between mm-hmm. us, one of us, me, wants to talk to him in an open forum. He doesn't, for a couple of reasons, which we brought up before. The other thing is, he doesn't want to talk about it on collective evolution specifically. Why? Because, you know, he portrays it as we're going to have some sort of you know debate in an undergraduate um, auditorium with screaming you know twenty-year-olds waving signs and no it's a conversation right yeah. and why wouldn't you want your opinion to be heard by five million dissenters or potential dissenters if you're truly interested in moving the needle towards truth those that's the audience you want to be talking to right you want to just keep talking to to your choir so th- that's another way to sort of like bring this into perspective like what what you know who is has something to lose who has something to gain? Where do we need to spend more time paying attention? Coming to the you know uh, objective reality of the actual fact is perhaps outside of the realm of possibility, but we're trying to get closer. And so these that that's another kind of way to look at it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Like the um, the idea. It's like when you were going back to to what we know and what we don't know. So it's easy to you know say hey like we we know that this is probably. Uh, you know, this is probably not going on. Like, for example, the, the, you use the, the moon uh, not being cheese and stuff like that, right? Um, this position of we already know something's not true is, is almost like the, the debunking. Maybe I'm not framing this correctly, but the way I find the conspirituality folks are going about things at this moment is very similar to the way, like, you know, a, a gentleman named Mick West Uh, who's a debunker, right? Or a gentleman named Michael Shermer, um, who's the head of the Skeptic Society, right? Um, And he writes Skeptic Magazine, all that sort of stuff. Their, Their position, and this is something that a lot of people sometimes don't quite understand, is that their position is that they're going into it to find out what is wrong with somebody's argument, as opposed to, you know, what could their argument bring up that, you know, expands the conversation in in a different way. They're just, they're going into it saying, well, I already know they're wrong. Right. So let's just have the conversation of how we can verify that they're wrong as opposed to seeing, well, they were right about this, this, and this, and maybe wrong about this. But hmm, these things that they're right about actually change my perspective. They're not taking that perspective. They're taking the perspective of they're wrong. Let's just find the three areas that prove that or a psychological way of describing how they could have fell into that. And in that position, we say, okay, well, we know exactly what's wrong with these people, right? And this reminds me of, and and I'm gonna bring it up. This is is the cow of all cows, 9-11, right? It reminds me of your critique. And when you said this, it was like, it was a very interesting moment for me because I had not heard someone else say this before, but the way the NIST report was written Mm -hmm. came from a perspective of, and I'll let you say the words, but it was very similar to what I said before. It's like they were, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were trying to say, yeah, just prove that this fell with with planes.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, uh, it's, oh boy, Joe, you're... You're getting me going here about <laughs> 11, I may not stop for a while. Um, yes, um, they start off exactly like you're saying with uh, Mick West. Like, no, actually, they're not, trying to, they're not trying to prove debunkers wrong. They're starting off with, here's what happened. How do we prove that it could have happened that way as opposed to what actually happened? Yeah, You know, I, I, I liken this to a, a situation uh, where there's an accident a, on, a, on a, you know, on a street, a car plows into a tree, right, and the police are called and they say, well, you know, it was, it was, it was rainy that night and uh, some people saw lightning and sometimes lightning can mess with a anti-braking system of a, of a car. So that's probably what happened, and then someone shows up and says, "What about the the three twelve packs of beer that were empty in the car? Did you do a breathalyzer test?" No, we didn't have to do a breathalyzer test because we know it was the lightning. You see, that's actually how the NIST report approaches nine yeah. eleven. It's like let's throw away the most you know sensible thing because obviously it, it couldn't have been blown up with with demo, uh, with explosives uh, because you know we saw the planes that's the, it's almost the same thing honestly i i know i'm i'm ta- i'm, I'm uh, taking perhaps two large steps here but it's the same kind of thing as saying what difference does it matter if there were beer cans in the car we know it was the lightning right what you didn't see the lightning we yeah. all saw the lightning right i mean it's the same kind of thing it's like so, oh okay. I was just gonna say okay. it.
0: It's like when they say that a scientific study can be set up to say whatever you want. The NIST report was set up saying, yeah, just explain that that it came down. Was it possible that it came down because of planes? Yeah, but should we look at explosives? No, no, no. Just planes because there was planes. So because they never really they never really looked at it. Right. That's no. what's so fascinating.
1: Oh, I know. It's it's you know. Again, this is the this is the the red pill. This is like (laughs) this is going to go down for the rest of our of our humanity as being like, you know. You shouldn't say
0: red pill because the conspiratoriality folks will come after you. That's that's a no no word.
1: You don't say red pill. Um, But actually, you know, before we move on, uh, it has to do. um, I want to make a point about knowing versus not knowing. Yeah. Um, Fact knowing what isn't true is way easier than knowing what is true okay so we had this discussion a few months ago on the anniversary of 9 11 when we talked about it as a catalyst for consciousness uh, uh, evolution and um it has to do with the fact that the the 9 11 truth movement they don't claim to know what happened exactly but they're extremely certain to what didn't happen yeah they know that the NIST report is bunk it's complete bunk and you had asked me two months ago like so you're saying there's no truth in the 9-11 in the in the NIST report there are truths there are truths about like you know how good was the you know the fire protection systems in the building how how much of the building weighed? yeah those there's truth but not anything relevant to the mechanism of the collapse so the 9-11 truth movement is does not know how exactly what happened like how the buildings came down or what caused it but they know that it was more than the planes the people who defend the nist reports on the other hand are saying that well you know yes there are some we can't explain everything but we know that there were no explosives and that's what's really interesting is how do you know there weren't if you didn't check? Yeah, you see. So that's where it comes apart. This is where you can identify truth. Did you check? Are you making assumptions? Who is making the assumption Who and who isn't? So with conspirituality, they begin with the assumption that there can't be any conspiracies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because what what's going on with with the covid situation, which they seem to be so uh, certain about, um, what it is, right, um, and that it's not but possibly any form of, of conspiracy or corruption involved. Um, and, you know, 9-11 and, and the way people approach 9-11, it's the same, it's the same level of thinking. It's like we, we know, like when people look at, like we know what the death rate is of, of, of COVID. So we know that it isn't a virus that's just, you know, maiming, you know tons and tons of people we know that it's there's a very small 85 and up make up like you know the vast majority of the deaths like huge huge yeah. percentage of the deaths um mm-hmm. we also know things like the comorbidities and all these different things so you know we know things like well healthy people are, are probably not going to go down from this virus which really that makes up like you know 99 of the population when we when we call healthy health saying someone is healthy that's a very complex conversation to have but um but you know these are, these are things that we know. So the more things that people that are questioning things, they, they look at stuff going on with COVID and they start to go, well, we, we, we know that this isn't happening. We know that that's not happening. We know that that's not happening. So then I don't understand the measures. I don't understand the lockdowns. I don't understand like, what's driving us to do this, right? And that's the simple thing that's happening. And yet it's being viewed as like, but, but hold on, how could you say that? when there's this insane pandemic? Or how could you say that when 3,000 people died in 9-11? So it's like, well, hold on, you're saying that we're not allowed to question something because 3,000 people died in 9-11 and questioning it might actually lead us to a source that could potentially stop this from happening again Mm -hmm. in the exact same way that COVID is like, "Hmm." questioning this properly might actually lead us to not make such Damaging mistakes in the future, but we're not allowed to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they're, we're just conspiracy theorists, right? These are these are these are the interesting things that are going on.
1: Yes. Let, let us let us imagine that there is a hypothetical person out there that has not made up their mind about the pandemic, and where they uh, where they stand on it. This is this is possibly the biggest point of this conversation, maybe, which is, under what circumstances is questioning something? the wrong thing to do yeah you know this leads to because that is really because as soon as you ask the question so um why what how do we know uh, how good the tests are well you're questioning the tests hold on a second so what are you saying there's no virus you're saying there's no pandemic my aunt knows someone who died you know it, it, it goes directly to you must be um part of the problem because you're asking a question yeah nobody is saying don't wear a mask or go cough on your teacher we're saying wait a minute let's ask a question And when you cannot ask a question I hope that most people can understand that that is a a sign of bias and it's a sign of really it's one of the the signs of a democracy that's based on uh, a free press of completely, you know, deconstructing. Like if you can't ask the question, like for example, you know, the Andrew Wakefield movies, um, the the Vaxxed movies, for example. You know, I'm relatively new to this, to be honest with you. I mean, it's only been eight or nine months and I hadn't seen the movies until, you know, I was stuck at home in the pandemic saying, I should go watch something interesting. You can't watch it anymore. I mean it's it's off of Amazon. It's been taken off of BitChute, you know, which usually is more independent than YouTube, right? I don't even know how to how to watch how to watch the movie. I was trying to recommend it to someone the other day and I couldn't find the link. This is really scary. Yeah. I mean, that's really the threat. If you can't actually if you believe that certain things must never be never see the light of day we have to be very, very careful about where we're going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, someone would, would counter that with saying, you know, that's dangerous information. And, and I I mean, if you haven't done the research, right, if you haven't looked at it, if you haven't taken like, you know, there, there's a Conspirituality episode and I'm going to be talking about this uh, on, on the Monday Q&A because um, a question came in about it. But, you know, there is a Conspirituality episode where they, they tackle the vaccine conversation and, you know, they, I, I won't give it all away what I'm going to say on Monday, but they basically go script by script. Like it's, they're responding in the exact same way. The, they basically pulled up a fact checker and they just read the article. Right? They they didn't do the research. They didn't actually look at what's being said. Their position is that you know vaccines are fantastic, um, and and they're not understanding that. Well, hold on. There's a completely different conversation to have that doesn't say, you know, vaccines are out there trying to kill everybody. And there's a guy you know gigantic conspiracy. No, it's that there's a there's a very different way to look at this. And um, and we should actually really talk about this because you know children are getting injured and people are getting their their general health is declining so rapidly yeah. that we, you know, we know that it's linked in some way, we don't know how much, but we know that vaccines play a part and we got to find out what else plays a part, right? Yeah. But no, we're not allowed to have that conversation because public health is not important, right? What's important is holding the mainstream narrative.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, 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 um, the argument they use is to say, it's been um, It's we have the studies, that, that show that vaccines are safe. Um, and the reality is, is that when, like the, the kinds of um, information that people who want to reformulate the vaccines are talking about is that, yes, it, it, you know, these vaccines confer safety with regard to the uh, risk of getting the infection that you're being vaccinated against. But as we both know, and you pointed this out to me not so long ago, is that the health, the general health of the kids who are vaccinated in general is worse than the ones who are not. Yeah. Not necessarily with respect to measles, but they have more asthma. They have more GI dis- uh, upset, they, you know, higher incidence of chronic um, illness, chronic illness. It's chronic inflammation, right? And we know that the idea of inoculating someone is to invoke an acute inflammation, yeah. right? That's what it is. How do we know that we're not invoking a chronic state of inflammation? How yeah. do we know? Well, we don't know. And here's what, and this is the argument: It's like we don't know, so therefore we shouldn't believe it. You haven't proven that there's a cause, right? And you have to, you have to st- like do you understand that every time a paradigm in science has been challenged, it didn't come from hard evidence that, you know, proves a mechanism beyond, so it, it comes from correlations. It comes from anecdotal evidence first. Yeah. And then when a mechanism is identified, then you can say it's proven, but why are we so like, you know, resistant to looking at it in the, in, in a situation where we actually don't know what the mechanism is of autism, for example, yeah, like you know there was a drug um, uh, called uh, thalidomide. Are you aware of this? You know it was prescribed for morning sickness, the sickness in the fifties. Oh yes, I remember. Right, and babies were being born with missing limbs. Yeah. Right. They didn't know. They knew. They knew that the moms who were on thalidomide had a much higher risk of like. Uh, um, digital deformities and missing limbs there was no mechanism identified I mean, they didn't know that you know uh what molecule was was causing this um, uh, birth defect but we stopped giving thalidomide now if we use the same approach they're using which is it hasn't been proven where's the mechanism what's the mechanism for you know no limbs until you show me a mechanism you're just pseudoscience yeah that's not how science works people i'm sorry yeah. you see that there's a correlation so you stop what you're doing do something else and then in the case of thalidomide i believe the mechanism was only identified you know a few years ago 60 years after we stopped using it yeah. we finally proved it so for all those people who who say until you prove vaccines beyond a shadow of doubt are have some uh, risk. We should keep vaccinating. Like, and what? How is that possibly like the logical thing to do? I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, it's the
0: classic, right? Like, cl- correlation does not equal causation. It's like this is a this is a comeback from um, people that want to hold on to a specific narrative, and and that and that's fine. And this is why I'm I'm fascinated with the idea of, you know, we really have to figure out how to communicate on a deeper level, on a on a level. And this is why I think when I see all these current events taking place, that provide these complex and very uh, intense situations that that call for people to have to figure out how to actually communicate with each other and find common ground, you know, I can't help but go there's evolutionary process taking place here, right? Like we're starting to see, hey, we have to figure out how to build self-awareness here, build a deeper understanding of ourselves, really understand our biases, understand our modes of thinking. and, And this is this is important in what you might call the mainstream community, the alternative community, the conspiracy community, the spiritual community, all across the board. Right? Everybody has got to be be looking at this stuff because, um, in in some sense, everybody's you know guilty of it. Right? Everybody's having this difficulty and in, in understanding things. And, um, you know, what you, what you said there about the um, the the that drug that was causing the deformities and and the stopping using it and so forth. It's like. You know, what what was what was it about that? Like it's like were, were people more willing, hey, yeah, maybe there's less money in this, or maybe hey, you know, it's it's not really gonna hurt everybody if we stopped using it right now, and so we were more easily willing to, to stop doing it, but like why is there such a resistance to hold on, like you know, according to the CDC's own studies, right? So no independent study, no, you know, no nothing, just the just the CDC, right? They, they've said on multiple occasions in their studies, vaccines are not the cause of the downfall of infectious diseases. It was sanitation, it was nutrition, and a multitude of other factors involving infrastructure and so on and so forth. Vaccines played a tiny role in that, if, if any, according to their own studies. So we, we're believing in a myth, and the myth is that vaccines have erased... I don't know how we got on vaccines, but we're on vaccines. The vaccines have erased uh, infectious diseases. Are we willing to examine the evidence that proved that that's just a myth? Are we willing to examine it and let go of the old world views such that we can have a, a general sense of curiosity and play and, and love and just enjoying life and moving through it where we say, hey, yeah, let's find out what's going on here instead of like, no, this is my position. I'm not taking these people are all dangerous. These people, anytime I see that, anytime I see somebody saying, "Well, this is this is super bad. This is super dangerous," I'm just like, uh, you're not you're not going to see information clearly. You know?
1: No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. It, well, you know, and even if we're trying to engage someone, and here's another point that I hope our listeners take is um if you approach this and say um we should take a, a you know a better look at um how efficacious vaccines really are like you just said is it truly the vaccines that are making a difference or is it the sanitation nutrition uh and uh better food that's helping us if you bring it up that way that is going to emote or evoke a much different response than the vaccine manufacturers are looking to profiteer off of us because we know that vaccines don't really help that much. And suddenly you have people saying, oh, so you're, you know, anti-globalist, you know, you think that Bill Gates is some sort of sinister dude. So you lose them. Right. But this is how it's it's not brought up in the right way. I mean, maybe there is, you know, this there could be a cabal. I don't know. Maybe they, that exists, but if you bring it up that way, you lose the, the, the crux, the, the kernel of the argument, which is just look at the data. Yeah, um, and you know, we, most people don't even understand how like basic logic works or how to dissect a study. For example, you know, this is the, the classic thing, the MMR trivalent uh, uh, vaccine, which the Wakefield uh, group is basically saying, look, I we don't want you to get measles, mumps, rubella. We want you to just separate the vaccine. Yeah, that's it. Just separate it. That's all we want to do. But then we have the uh, conventional people saying, it's been proven safe. It's been proven safe. We've done these studies. So don't tell me it's not safe. And this is where we have to like, look at it more closely. How do you prove something is safe? How? You can prove, you, you have to first define what safe means. Is safe one in 10? One in a million? Define the parameters of safe first. But yet they believe that there's absolutely no way that a vaccine could cause autism under any circumstances. Even though we can all admit that we don't know what the mechanism of autism is, they still believe that they're being scientific by saying, can't happen. It cannot happen, (laughs) right? So that's the deficit in their thinking. You cannot prove something to be 100% safe. You can prove something to be relatively safe. But if you challenge the if you come up with it and say, you know, vaccines aren't safe, you know, right away, that that, that is the, the security system that you you know, you know talk about. So, uh, I'm not going to listen to you anymore because. Um, so in order to to overturn a large study that demonstrates safety with, let's say, regard to MMR, all you need is a handful of incidents, right? In, in this, in, in a situation where we don't know the mechanism of the um, uh, of the complication, which is autism, if you don't know how it works, how do you prove that the, the the injection caused it? You can't. You cannot. This is where we have to say, as scientists, we have to look a little closer. Just. Put aside the data, for example. I know that you don't want to put aside the data because you're data driven and you want to be scientific, but listen to the story of a family. You know, this is not a, this is not some child that gets inoculated at age two and then at age six he starts to develop some sort of you know neurocognitive disorder. The kid gets the injection and is unresponsive for two days, and then wakes up and is different. Yeah. Okay. Is it a coincidence? Maybe. I mean, you can't rule that out. What if it happens two times, the same story? What if it happens 2,000 times, right? All there has to be is one of those incidences where it's truly causal, not just uh, uh, a correlation, but truly causal. We don't know what we can't know because we don't know what the mechanism of autism is. But if just one of those kids got autism from the injection then we have to say it's possible we're not saying don't vaccinate people we're saying can you admit that there's a possibility at least and you know i've been talking a long time did you want to say something no no this is i think it's a good point so how do we be objective about this it's honestly impossible this is where it's so important to like cultivate and and embrace subjectivity once in a while you know being subjective is actually the way we are most of the time so stop trying to deny subjectivity we have a lens so here's where i like to ask people okay let's say that you you actually watch a movie like vaxxed or or talk to a, a mom that had that experience with their baby you know Two days later, the baby is different and is unresponsive and has been that way for the rest of his life. What are the chances it was due to the vaccine? What do you think? Well, if you are the conspirituality, you know, stop talking to me about anti-vax stuff. One in a million, man. One in a million, right? Maybe one in a. If you're on the other hand, someone who believes that there is some truth to this, you might say, Jesus, I would say it's probably like six out of seven. You know, how do you know? You don't. You're making a subjective estimation, right? Yeah. Now, let's say you, you thought it was like, um, you know, one in a thousand. That's the, that's the relevance you would give to one of these incidents. Now you take 2,000 people, 2,000 cases with the same level of confidence, where there's only a 1 in 1,000 one in or 1 in 10,000 chance that it was actually due to the vaccine. You do that 2,000 times. Here's what's interesting. This is where we have to be very clear about where our biases are. In order for their argument to be correct, that there is no causation, every single one of those 2,000 children that, you know, developed something, the chances that had nothing to do with the vaccine uh, is actually quite high. I mean, I, I should get my calculator right now, but you can do the math. It's because let's say it's like one in a thousand that the vaccine caused the the autism. So you can say 99.9%, I'm positive it wasn't the vaccine. What happens when you multiply 99.9% or 0.999 to the power of 2000? Do you have a calculator in front of you? I'm I'm gonna see if I can do it right now. This is how you, you can bring objectivity to this. Am I losing you guys? I'm sorry. Just keep keep going. What do you, What's the number? I need to calculate. You a calculator. Oh, you got to calculate. Oh, you gotta yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I need an
1: exponential calculator. This is the way you – thank you for doing that, and I will continue to blather on while you do this calculation.
0: Okay, so so. Is, I go 99.
1: No, you go 0.999. This 0. is one in a 1,000. Yep,
0: 0.999.
1: Raise that to the 2,000th power. So you okay, need an exponential so calculator. I
0: think I got to do this, and then I got to go – no wait, I think I just squared that. Um trying to the see The reason
1: we're doing this folks, whoever's listening, is that this is where we we lose our clarity because all it takes is one of those kids to have been affected in order for the whole paradigm to shift. If you are of the uh you know uh vaccinate under all situ- all you know the conventional pers- perspective on vaccinations, if you if that's what you believe Every single one of those 2000 kids must not have been affected by the vaccine. So you have to be right 2000 times in a row. I only have to be right once. This is how you are supposed to approach it objectively. What's the number?
0: Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking that the, the button that's X with the Y raised. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm looking for. And it's producing like point uh, one 0. number, point
1: one three five. Does that make sense? Point one three five. yes. So that means there's a 13.5% chance, It's 0. 0.135, a 13.5% chance that the, um, that the people who are vaccines are safe under all circumstances are correct. On the other hand, there's an 86.5% chance that one of those cases led to autism 86.5, right? We're, we're talking now, you know, pretty much six out of seven. Six out of seven, we should be right. Now, if we go back and say, whoa, that wait, 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 hold on a second. You know, I, 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 I misestimated the, uh, the initial um, estimation, which is one I thought, I want to make it one in 10,000. That's fine. You're, you know, you, you can subjectively do whatever you want to here. We're talking about uncertainty, this is how we approach it. And if you decide that you want to change the the number that you want to put in in the beginning, go ahead and do it. But now we are now this is where we're using confirmation bias, which is like, oh, if that's what that means, then I'm I clearly must be wrong with my initial assessment. So I'm going to change my initial assessment so that it works out in my favor. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. This is where we have to be very, very careful. And and anyway, the, the take the take home point here is that when you have a multiple set of instances where each one holds the possibility of being true and you have to be right on every single one of them you now have a paradigm that is based in something that's far more uncertain than you realize rather than saying oh you know that guy wasn't that guy wasn't and you have 2000 instances of where you've been proven correct the alert mind will say there's there's 2000 times where i could be wrong yeah and this is how you figure it out. So that's another way to, to negotiate, like what is fact, what is not, is to you know, really understand what the significance of the data you're looking at means. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It's con-
0: complex stuff, complex stuff. But the point, like you said, the, the take home point is, is really just questioning at the end of the day being more to holding on to subjectivity a little bit more realizing that hey we have we have a little bit more subjectivity within us than we think and then what would it look like to to bring a little bit more objectivity into the picture so that we can question things and say Hey, you know, suspending my belief about something for a moment, uh, what else is out there and, and what is it really saying and how probable you know might my, my certain position be on some situations in which some cases it's almost impossible to be super pro you can't you know it's, it's, in some, some conversations it's like really hard to bring in the math and all that sort of stuff, but with stuff like vaccinations and, and so forth, uh, you know there's definitely a conversation to be had there
1: right. Well, I have a sinking suspicion that you're gonna cut out all that mathematics from this uh, conversation later. I, um, I don't plan on it right at this point. We'll oh, see. Oh, you're good, good. Yeah. Well, and, and the reason why I bring it up is like, look, the, this is a difficult thing to look at. So, you know, for all of us people out there that wanna know more, don't expect to get the full picture with a thousand words. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, it's just, you know, there's a lot of nuanced conversations here. The the mm-hmm. conspiratoriality piece was like, it was a long piece, it was like 3,700 words. You have to make investments. You have yeah. to. You can't just go with, you know, a heaven. Well,
0: and I think this is this is where, and this might be a, a good way to 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 cap off the conversation is is really going back to, we seem to be living in a time where, um, and and really we could go on all day about this because this is this is a complex point, and I can already hear so many of the different little pieces to it. But um, we're in a time where it's like we're losing faith in our institutions, we're, we're seeing that there's problems, they're seeing that there's holes, it's difficult to trust experts, right? Um, you know, the, the mainstream conversation is that, hey, the, you know, people sowing doubt in these experts, this is very dangerous stuff, right? And and, and other people are saying, well, no, hold on, like, I'm realizing, like, I, I don't know how to trust these people or, or, or certain situations. And that's a valid thing that's going on because yeah, it doesn't make sense. And there's too much evidence of what we call conspiracy, um, that has existed time and time and time and time again. If you were to again, you know, to, if you were to make a big list of all the conspiracy that has ever existed, you'd have a massive list. And this is all verifiable, public domain, you know, verified by government in most cases. Types of conspiracy, right? <laughs> um, and so people have this loss of faith, and, and they go, "Well, how do I make sense stuff?" Because part of the, it's impossible for us as people to look at every single thing we hear and go and do the 10 years of, or, or, you know, even a year of research, or even if it's like a a full day, you know, a full 24 hours that you got to spend understanding it. It's like these things become impossible, right? Because we're all busy. We have so many things going on. Um, There is a greater investment of time that I think that we need to do in general, other than the five second you know, or the story, the five minute bits that have be, had become popular in the past, which, you know, funny story back when Facebook, it was like super common to do like the one minute short videos. Um, I was like, you know, over the course of time, this is going to be a problem because people are going to get used to, oh, I want my news in one minute. It's like, you can't understand anything in a minute, right? <laughs> so They'd complain about that. But we're now in a position where people don't want to spend two hours, three hours looking into something. Um, mm. And some people don't have the time and the ability, right? So in a world where we have lost faith and trust, and we don't know where to go for it, right? Like there, there's almost, almost no alternative media um, thing that I go to that I that I trust. I see I see challenges with with almost all of them. There are some of them that I really like, um, but the vast majority of them, I'm like you're either full of bias or they're very polarized or they got something going on. And so I can't, I don't actually view much of their content. Um, But how do we, again, how do we rectify this? How do we make sense of this, right? Is this where we start talking about intuition? Is this where we start talking about how we can know things? Um, And how do we even know that we know, right? How do we know that we're accurate with intuition?
1: We don't, but we're being called to use this. I mean, if there was ever a a bigger sign that we need to look to our intuition is this. We don't know who to believe if you don't know who to believe, who else do you have to turn to? And you just you can't turn to yourself and say, I'm going to get the answer. You have to first work on yourself. You have to work on your biases. You have to see where you can't see, which is not an easy task. You have to look at it obliquely Um, and you know, look, that was a great cap. Um, I can't expect most people to spend two hours, three hours or 24 hours or, you know, months. Look, some of these things take months. Yeah. We are forced to put our faith or our trust in, a, in collective evolution or, you know, another source or the New York Times, whatever. We understand that you have to go and look to someplace else for someone else who's actually doing the research. Um, and so for the listeners here, I really do hope that you all, you know, comment and uh, critique us, and I would hope that you would, rather than um, making an argument against our position on these things, articulate an argument where you think we're biased or our approach is somehow uh, not accurate, as opposed to the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Where in our thinking do you think that we've misstepped? Because I want to get better at this and you know what i hope to do and i know that's this is your mission as well is at least be one of the sources that many people can come to and say let's let's see what joe has to say about in collective evolution because he may not have it down correctly but his approach is at least uh, authentic to the way i believe we need to approach information so thanks for participating that's all i got to say about that
0: that's it. That's all. That was like a, you know, that was like a smackdown of like, yeah, boom, this is how, this is how it has to roll, you know, <laughs> which is which which again, I, I think is a key. I, I we we have to be the theme of 2020 has been be OK with uncertainty. And part of that means that, like you said, at times, you know, you're not going to like uh, somebody made a comment earlier um, on a video that i recently put out that said something to the effect of, you know, I appreciate that you provided more questions than you did answers, which, you know, there's a tendency from a lot of presenters I see out there to be the source of answers. I am going to tell you the truth. I'm going to be the source of all the answers. And I'm not so sure that that is a... Necessary, useful not because oh, there's no possible way we could we could you know understand how that event occurred or this whatever, you know But more so Like in a lot of the stuff that we choose to talk about We're like you said we're trying to work on the thinking we're trying to work on on our intuition We're trying to work on like I, I came up with this recently um, Because I, I explained it in so many ways and, and I'm like I'm trying to find a one-liner like of what C is really trying to do and it's like it's taking the the personal development and the personal transformation and and the spirituality and applying it to real life that's that's what that's what it is right it's it's all that stuff applied to real life as opposed to just hey let's go talk about chakras and all these different things but what does that mean on the street I don't know right Um, and and that's one of the things um, that I think is important is really just how does it all apply
1: to real life well, man, again, you know, you hit it. Asking the right questions—that—that that is the place we're in, and we've—we've we've been here before. You know, uh, we've gone through decades or, or, or centuries of being told what's going on. You know, it's sort of a didactic. This is what's going on. But if you go back far enough, there was a pretty interesting guy named Socrates. You know, who taught by asking questions, yeah. by asking the right questions. And so um, there are very, very few people that are actually asking questions. They're more giving answers, like you said. This is the time where we need to be asking our, ourselves and other people to ask themselves the right questions. Yeah. That's the way. That's, That's all. Well said. Thanks yeah. so much for your time once again. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for, for listening in.
0: So, I hope you enjoyed this episode thanks so much for listening um, be sure to pass this on to a friend or a family member that you think uh, might enjoy this type of conversation um, you know this is kind of the way that we get to share this information these days with uh, such a great degree of um, you could say deplatforming or censorship and uh, even demonetization as always we do uh, as much as we possibly can to offer as much content for free um, you know for about nine years everything we offered uh, we offered from the standpoint of just absolutely trusting that um, you know we were putting out everything for free and, and everything was fantastic and um, with the degree of uh, de-platforming and demonetization that happened to us um, we were in a really poor position to be able to move our, uh, our work forward without creating some uh, premium content as it's often called and So we've set up a membership area to help fund our work and to help keep our work going and expanding. And if you want to be part of that and help support our work, but also go uh, even deeper on a lot of this content, you can head on over to ctv.one and become a member. And if not, there's tons of resources on uh, collective-evolution.com, which is our website, Uh, lots more podcast episodes, and uh, we also have a YouTube channel with a ton of content. So again, thanks so much for being part of these conversations. And here's to creating a new world together. Catch you next time.